Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Carrie Clack, columnist, editorial board. Nancy Prayer Johnson, associate editorial board editor. Uh, Metro editor, Greg Jefferson. And this is our first podcast of 2023. Um, I Happy New Year to everybody. I don't think it's too late. When, when, when is, is there like a cutoff point when it's too late to wish people Happy New Year? You've got another week. I got another one week. more week. After King Day. I was going to say like, like okay, go. that's good. I was yeah. going to say Valentine's Day. I don't that's really good. know. I, 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 I'm not sure. But um, early January in an odd numbered year uh, means a lot of things. It means the beginning of a legislative session in Texas. It means uh, kind of the beginning of city council races in San Antonio. Along those lines, um, I think a couple of... Uh, Council members that we know are going to face opposition are District 10 Councilman Clayton Perry, if he chooses to run again. And uh, since we did our last podcast, we've we've learned a little bit more about the hit and run uh, accident that he's facing charges over. Uh, we learned he had 14 drinks in the hours leading up to that. Um, District 1 Councilman Mario Bravo is is, is going to face competition for a couple of reasons. There was the, um, the infamous uh, encounter he had with... Uh, Anna Sandoval before a council meeting in September where he verbally berated her. There's also um, a, a project that he, that really predates his time on the council, but he's taken a, a lot of criticism for it because you have businesses understandably frustrated about the construction work that's happened on the St. Mary's uh, Strip and how slow it's gone and how businesses have been affected by it. And I, th- I think that uh, there's been a feeling among some business people that he hadn't been responsive enough to that. Um, something to look for is the council is in the next coming week will um, they're going to be discussing a proposed two point two five million dollar allocation in American Rescue Plan Act funds to kind of help some of the businesses in that area, which I think will. Um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting how see how businesses respond. I mean, I'm sure they're going to welcome it. I mean, I, whether it would be anything close to enough um, is, is going to be another question, but that's going to be something to look for. Um, another thing that happens in early January in odd numbered years is we have a new Congress and we have a new Speaker of the House. I was not sure a few days ago if we were going to have a new U.S. Speaker of the House by the time we did today's podcast. But after uh, four days and 15 ballots, uh, California Republican Kevin McCarthy is the new U.S. Speaker of the House, and he had to he had to give away a lot. And we're going to talk about that um, to get the speakership. Uh, it was it was a, a quite an ordeal. Carrie, I know you were following this. It was one of those things that you didn't you weren't sure you wanted to keep watching, yeah. but you know you couldn't stop watching. Um, what what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I started to go to bed right after the was it the fourteenth vote. Yeah, and then the next thing you see McCarthy yeah, and <laughs> McCarthy and Matt Gates running towards <laughs> <laughs> it. It has to be the single most humiliating, self emasculating yeah. act of any yeah. national politician. You know, usually in. In sports or any job performance, yeah. when you say to somebody, somebody that you know, they gave he gave all that he had. That's, <laughs> that's meant admiringly. And with, with, yeah. with McCarthy's, yeah, yeah. he gave all that he had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he tried to sell his soul to the devil, yeah. but there was nothing left. But yeah. it was just, it's, it's just, and you know, we were, we were having fun with it, and it was kind of enjoyable. This is something that he's wanted all of his life, and he, and it, and it was made so difficult for him to get. But you know, there's going to be now some serious, you know, policy consequences that become that comes from all of his yeah, deal making. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about how this is going to affect the the, the you know the, the 
governing process for the House and and the policy consequences for it. Um, you know, the thing about this, uh, Greg, that struck me is like it, it would be a really hard thing to explain the nuances of this battle, uh, internal battle in the Republican Party to somebody who has not been following U.S. or is not from this country or hasn't been following it uh, politics here closely because uh-huh. like yeah. par- part of it is, you know, is, you know, you would say, well, the, the, the Trumpy extremists were, but, you know, Donald Trump endorsed Kevin McCarthy <laughs> with, the, with the exception of a short period there after the January 6th insurrection when Kevin McCarthy uh-huh. briefly criticized Trump and then walked it back and then went and kissed the ring at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, he is kissed up to Trump relentlessly. And so it doesn't – Trump factored in there, but it, it's it's hard to I mean, explain what the battle yeah, is. Well, yeah. I mean the – here's the thing. So Trump um, set in motion this this yes. political chaos, exactly. right? And it's gotten, it's gotten beyond him. Uh, so that <laughs> yeah. – I mean it, it has clearly. I yeah. mean you've got 20, uh, 20 lawmakers who held Congress hostage for four days. Um, and he, you know, a lot of that goes back to Trump. I mean, I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, to say that Trump created Trumpism, I think is, I've always felt that's wrong. Like yeah. he was, you know, the the extreme partisanship um, was in, in in Congress, was in place way, way before yeah. uh, Trump came along. But he exploited that mm-hmm. and he made it his own. And he he developed an army of acolytes and base supporters, and now he can no longer control them. I think that's that's what we saw last week. Mm. Um, and you know, it's it's chaos. I mean, it's like you've, when you've got a single lawmaker who yes. can call a snap vote on the speaker. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> I I kept tuning in and out as well. I'm sure like all of us, I yeah, couldn't yeah. watch it constantly, right. but in and out, in and out, you know, I'd get notifications and start watching it. I did, ha- I was happening, you know, to watch it when they finally, um, you know, came to that conclusion. But the part when Matt Gates nominated Trump. I was just, I mean, yeah. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by it. Right. But I mean, I, and I think I tweeted like, this is insane. You guys, this well, is insane. And, it was like a C-SPAN thing I was watching yeah. on my phone. And of course, I don't think he got any other votes. That, that was Nobody else voted. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it gave yeah. me some hope though, yeah. uh-huh. that mm-hmm. if he couldn't, you know, hopefully there will be no future with Trump. (laughs) And that gave me some hope. That was the only positive thing I think. Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that was that that had been kind of in the background on, you know, Fox news in kind of the right wing media Mm -hmm. for, for over a month and it never got traction. Mm -hmm. Never. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's pretty instructive. I mean, over in a month, I mean, something that's always been just simmering in the background that they could, they could, they could elect Trump as speaker of the house. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I think you've got, we're coming into a period where you've got Trumpism because we've got nothing else to call it yeah. yet. Yeah. Right. Uh, because Gatesism sounds weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but without Trump. Boberism is It's not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we're going into this period of uh, political extremism without Trump. Yeah. I mean, it could be, yeah. it, I'm really curious about what's going to happen. Uh, with Ron DeSantis, the yep. governor of Florida, once he gets into the Republican primary. I mean, I just want to see how this 
plays out. But I get the yeah. feeling it's not – this is probably not going to be a walk for Donald Trump. I could be yeah. – you know, a year from now, I could be totally – yeah. like, I, hope, I hope somebody forgets that. His influence that, definitely but. seems to have diminished. I think this yeah. – even though McCarthy credited him with helping him get over the top, I mean, it really felt to me like he was – he was kind of a – just a kind of a, a bystander when it came to this. Yeah. The, the As far as the things that, 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 that uh, McCarthy gave up – Greg mentioned one of them, which is like the motion to vacate. So one person, sure. it could be one Republican, and we know there's plenty more than one who mm. at any time could do this, could just take a, a, a complain and get a vote on the on the House floor to uh, basically no confidence vote and have him removed at any time. Mm. Um, he also, and I think this was clearly uh, uh, him pandering to Trump and to the and to the people who. Um, sort of cling to the idea that Trump has been persecuted, which was this um, uh, subcommittee, which is going to be under the Judiciary Committee, which will be run by Jim Jordan. Uh, and it's a subcommittee to investigate what is described as the weaponization of the federal government, because there's the perception among Republicans that the FBI and the, and the Justice Department and uh, the executive branch has really been used to just attack uh, Donald Trump. Um, and so... That's there's going to be an investigation into that. I think the thing that concerns the the, the most people is the fact that there uh, will no longer be allowed if the, if these the rules that they're, that they're going to vote on they're going to vote on them uh, t Monday night tonight. Um, the, the the rules include a provision that says that they you cannot raise the debt ceiling um, unless there is some offsetting action, unless there's like there are budget cuts. Um, what's interesting to me is that uh, San Antonio Congressman Tony Gonzalez has come out and said he was an ardent Kevin McCarthy supporter, but he is has said he's going to vote against the rules package. And one of the I think the main reasons is that he's concerned that there'll be cuts in defense spending that will be forced uh, when when we have uh, uh, the an increase in the debt ceiling. Um, and I think for a lot of other people, there are just concerns about what's going to happen to, you know, social programs. The, I mean, we we saw this during the, the the Tea Party, the early years of the Tea Party movement, when John Boehner was a uh, speaker, that there were efforts to try to cut into, you know, longstanding programs um, that would really affect a lot of people. And I mean, um, when when you look at, the, at this rules package. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating to see whether it passes or not. And a lot of people mm -hmm. who are listening will know by the time they hear this whether it passed or not. Um, you know, what concerns you the most about it? First, you know, because I'm, I'm often a critic of him, but but kudos to, to Congressman Gonzalez yeah. for uh, uh, taking the stand. Well, all of it is 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 bad. The thing about refusing to raise the, the debt ceiling, that's always been a political game that both parties play because— you know, despite every every now and then a shutdown or something, it's going to get raised. When Obama was in the Senate, Obama voted against it because he knew it was going to pass. So it's yeah. always a game. Mm -hmm. But now you have this reality where it could truly happen, yeah. and uh, which and 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 which is reflective of these twenty legislators who have held us hostage and continue to hold us hostage. Hostage is that they're not thinking. They don't frankly care about the consequences of, of policy, about what happens when you can't fund the military, what happens when you can't fund anything. Yeah. And what yeah. happens if you have that, that one person who McCarthy pisses off and here we go again with... Mm -hmm. um, 
Mm. I think the first thing on the chopping block is going to be the IRS funding, that mm. additional funding yes. is the first first thing that's going to go. And I just wonder, I mean, are they going to be able to do their very basic job? Mm. I mean, we need to collect taxes, but obviously they needed that funding. And now yeah. it's probably, I don't think it's going to happen now. And and it's uh, on the TV show, I do text talk at Tony Gonzalez on in December. And he, he did support cutting uh, funding for, for the IRS. And, you know, and my argument is just that and I know that you're uh, it's, it's always the IRS is has always been unpopular, will, will always be unpopular. And you're not going to get a lot of public support for the idea of hiring more you're people right. at the IRS. It's just yeah. never going to be a political winner for you. Yeah. But I, my my thinking is, if you're somebody who, who plays by the rules and you pay your taxes, yeah. why would you want uh, the IRS to be uh, stifled in its ability to enforce mm-hmm. Right. You know, tax laws and make sure that other people are. are and let's also, let's also dispel the, the myth that it's 87,000 new IRS agents. That's a right. good that's point. Not, that's, that's not right. what it is. This is this is people who are going to be retiring. They're not all agents. Right. That's right. This is over a course of, 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 a, of a decade. A lot of it is just uh, serve, providing services to people who are like, you, who have questions. I mean, just people right. in the country who have questions and need help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I know. I mean, I know my own son, like during um, the whole COVID thing, quarantine time and stuff, he was calling IRS and needed some help. Yep. And, you know, he's young, you know, early 20s. And so he's calling and nobody would call him back. He would leave messages. He would email. It was just like, you know, and he couldn't do his taxes. <laughs> and it was it was um, really a scary thing. And I'm just kind of thinking about that going forward. There's nobody on that other line to help you when you have these problems that sometimes yeah. can arise. Yeah. And what's going to happen? I mean, it just comes down to a damaged uh, IRS benefits only the wealthy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're always going to pay your taxes. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, like, look, you are going to be on the hook for your taxes. Yeah. And uh, it's it's those who, you know, look for a lot of loopholes, who yeah. looks look for tax shelters, they'll benefit because they'll 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 be facing a decimated army of IRS agents who will be unable to find a lot of this yeah. stuff. So yeah, I mean, this is, you know, to me, it, I, it's a very class-driven thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah. One one thing I wanted to, to talk about is uh, another congressman who represents uh, part of San Antonio is, is Chip Roy. I've been really critical of him uh, in his, during his time in Congress. I think he's said and done a lot of homophobic things. I think he has uh, encouraged sort of the... Uh, the fear of the COVID vac- vaccine, although he tends to say it's, it's you know, he supports just the, the freedom for people to choose. He's, he's actually put uh, supported a lot of uh, and amplified a lot of anti-vax theories. Um, I, I He was a really uh, key player in this because he was one of the 20 who opposed McCarthy. It seemed to me, though, and I'll, I'll give him credit on this. I didn't feel like it was, you know, with Matt Gates, it felt almost like I just want to get attention yeah. for myself or it was a, some kind of personal thing. I think Chip Roy, one thing is he's kind of he's pretty consistent about certain things and about process. And I think he uh, I think he has a point to some degree about uh, because one of the things he's complained about a lot is, you know, these omnibus spending bills go before members of Congress. They nobody gets to see them till a few hours before they nobody knows what's in them. Um, And uh, one of the uh, if you look at the rules package that 
that they uh, that McCarthy agreed to. I mean, there are a couple of things here that seem very much like Chip Roy uh, items. One is that you uh, you're going to instead of having these big omnibus spending bills, you're going to try to break things up into mm-hmm. individual items. You're going to have to have, I think, 72 hours, be, you know, give members of Congress uh, 72 hours before they vote on things. I, I do think that there's some validity to, to the idea. There's no question that the way the process plays out, a lot of things get done at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um uh, of course, the rules package, you know, that was kind of they were talking about voting on that on Friday night, you know, like yeah. they were going to just like, OK, he's the speaker. We're going to vote on that, whether you had time to think about that. So they were kind of there was something contradictory about that. But I, I, I do think that he's got a, a point there. But it's it's been taken now, I think, to the to a degree where, um, you know, when you talk about something like the debt ceiling, this is money that Congress has allocated. Yeah. And it's really just saying it's it's are we going to default on 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 debt? I'm that not paying that my credit card. Yeah, that's right. what it is, and uh, it, it seems like a really backward way of yeah. dealing with uh, with with governance and appropriations and all that kind of stuff. Um, wanted to shift to the the issue of the border. Um, we've had Republicans for two years calling on, on Joe Biden to come visit the border. On Sunday, he did, and Republicans are angry that he visited the border right. because they didn't happen <laughs> soon enough. Um, and uh, I, I wanted, he this came three days after he p- proposed some new policies, which Republicans are, are saying it's not enough. Democrats are saying there many Democrats are upset about these policies. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to talk uh, with you, Carrie and Nancy. Uh, you all were got to actually visit the border. Was it, it about? Three weeks ago, four weeks ago? A couple of weeks before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you went to Eagle Pass, right? Mm-hmm. What What was your, your takeaway there? Because, you know, we hear so much, uh, so many conflicting accounts of what's going on and what the what the, the problems are. What did you get You know, there? this was, I guess when we went, it was supposed to be the very next week that Title 42 would have been lifted. Mm-hmm. It's what everybody was expecting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had some some possibilities of that happening and then it's you know caught in the courts and so when we were there we got a tour um the border patrol went and you know and they met with us and they um explained what's happening there on the ground and just how overwhelmed um they are i think i came i personally came um away feeling that they needed um more funding Mm -hmm. um for you know just you know, more funding to be able to deal with this. Um, they also need um, a better way to enforce the border um, policies that are there, but a way to beef it up. I think that, um, as we all know, it's broken. It's mm-hmm. a broken system, but it's been broken for a really long time. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some big problems there. We mm-hmm. came away. I mean, I came away just feeling like, wow, if this just really nervous for them, for, you know, the Border Patrol that took this time to explain where things are. I mean, we went, we stood out there with them um, looking out. At, I mean, there was trash strewn all over the place and items, clothing items, you know, medicine and different things that people leave right there on the border. So we got an up close look as well. Um, we saw the, um, I guess you'd call it a shelter mm-hmm. that was there, like where they're processed, not yeah. a shelter, but it's where they're processed in. Mm-hmm. Processing and we got to center, see the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, the processing center. Um, and just we got a, a really up close look at all of that and just came away thinking, wow, if this is lifted, there's no way they're going to be able to hold like it's going to be chaotic. You know, yeah. You're um, talking about Title 42. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And that's the thing about it. I mean, and the Biden administration has had such a schizophrenic sort of uh, 
uh, approach or, yeah. or, or stance on this because uh, this was something that Donald Trump put in place during the early days of COVID, you know, using a public health policy as a way to just turn people away, asylum seekers. And Joe Biden denounced it. Then he ended up using it for a while. Yeah. They decided not to use it. And he's fought a legal battle. And we, I want, we can talk a little bit in a minute about these new uh, policy uh proposals from him, but he's basically going to be using Title 42, at least in the short term. And and it's 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 so complicated because I think most people can look and say, using a public health policy to deal with immigration really is there's there's something fundamentally wrong about that. Right. But then there's also the practical issue of just so many people coming to the border and communities unable to cope with it and yes. uh, Officials scrambling to find ways to deal with that. Morality versus practicality. I mean, morally, uh, it is wrong to use a public health policy to keep people out of the country. Yes. But practically, there's a reason why it's it's easy to suspect that the Biden administration does not mind these decisions, which is keeping it in place. Because, again, nobody has a solution. Nobody has a plan. And, uh, you know, what Nancy said about the uh, about the visit uh, the border patrol they, they must be commended with how how humanely they they treat these migrants coming across and uh, and I wish that everyone could have heard like the, the commander who was who gave us like a ninety minute debriefing mm-hmm. before before the tour because it would it would puncture a lot of talking points from both sides mm-hmm. and uh it, it, to hear him speak with a a sense of compassion, but also reality, and 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 not and not give in to to just what we again the talking points on on, on both sides, and actually share some insight about about the problem that goes beyond myths and 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 stereotypes. And Nancy talked about. The items coming, you know, at the crossing points. It, it, it's in all the years I've I've heard and read and seen stuff dealing with immigration. That that was what shocked me, stunned me the most was just all these stuff, acres of clothes and and mm-hmm. medication and papers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, our colleague Brandon Lingo did a mm-hmm. did a column about it, but. That's where you, whatever you feel about this issue, just the just the fact that people are really having to discard all of this to get across, and and it's, it was it's just stunning, stunning. Yeah. Greg, what what did you you know you uh, I think Kerry made an interesting point about how the Biden administration probably they they know that Title Forty Two is unpopular with the base, but at the same time, yeah, they, it, it is probably help you know help deal with the volume of people coming. You, you said yeah, that yeah, exactly. A- you've got you you've got um, their left flank, the administration's left flank, uh, calling for the end of uh, Title Forty Two. Just get rid of it. It's anathema. It's mm. I mean among yeah. other things. Trump did it. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. There you go. I mean, like the the morality aside, yeah. I mean that that that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, and you've got this this very practical issue. I mean, you've got um, you know, in the run up to you know, you'll remember in uh, in the run up to December nineteenth when we thought mm-hmm. that Title Forty Two was mm-hmm. on its way out. It would expire that day. Um, El Paso was over overrun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. there was a lot of anticipation that this was about to about to happen, and uh, you had 
like a, a crisis in downtown El Paso wow. with uh, immigrants flooding the system. Mm-hmm. And they just, they didn't, you know, they, they couldn't be housed, you know, they didn't have the housing, they didn't have the services yep. available to handle all of them. And that's, that's just the reality the administration has, is having to deal with. Uh, so they are torn. And I've like, you kind of look for clues. How serious are mm. they about, yeah. about ending title 42? Yeah. And I, uh, at this kind of late hour, I still don't know. Yeah, I think the best case scenario for them, I mean, I just, I'm just speaking about it in uh, the most cynical political terms, is right. to publicly oppose it right. while, the, then, while being legally blocked from yeah. from, right. from, yeah. from, from yeah, uh, yeah. ending it. Um, three days before uh, President Biden came uh, to, to uh, the border, came to El Paso, uh, he, uh, he had a, delivered a speech in which he introduced some new policies. And they're, I said the Republicans generally said they were probably more in line with what Republicans have been calling for, but they were still saying this isn't enough. And, and Democrats were, were, uh, I think pretty unhappy about this. One of the things that he, he proposed is doing something, um, with Nicaraguans, Haitians, and Cubans, which they've been doing with, uh, Venezuelans, uh, recently, which is to really restrict the terms under which people can come, uh, if they're seeking asylum, you know, they can't, uh, simply arrive at the border, uh, between ports of entry and, and uh, claim they're seeking asylum. In those cases, they're going to be, uh, sent across to Mexico. Um, and if they want to have their uh, asylum claims processed from those four countries, uh, they have to they have to have an, use an app in which they basically s- schedule an appointment um, for uh, to have their their claim processed. Um, they have to have a sponsor and so on. And so um, this is. Um, you know, I th- he also is is uh, sort of, I think, expanding the use of expedited removal, which some Republicans have called for, and a lot of progressives feel this is really a denial of due process because you're 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 taking um, uh, asylum seekers and saying, just determining very quickly, like we don't think your claim is valid, we're sending you back to your country of origin. So this is clearly, I think, an attempt by Biden to say, you know. Just to look at the, the just the number of people coming, which is overwhelming a lot of our communities, and uh, I don't think these policies are necessarily. If you look at what he was saying during the presidential campaign, during the primaries, where he was saying to asylum seekers, "We welcome you," and I think, I think, I guess he would say that he's not, he hasn't abandoned that thought. He's just saying that uh, you can't just show up at the border. I think is what he's saying. You just can't show up at the border, and and uh, we can't deal with that. Um, I, I don't know. What did what did you what did you make of what his, his new approach to this? Well, I think the fact that he did it three days before coming to the border was was telling itself. And um, I, I'm at the point where I just I don't know I don't I don't know what I mean. I'm looking at our, yep. our paper today. I'm looking at at Governor Abbott handing mm-hmm. handing Biden the letter, and it, and it's 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 a great photo and it's great political theater yeah mm-hmm. but that's what we're getting from from both sides and yeah he, I think Biden should have come to the border before now yeah. there's right. no reason that, that he shouldn't have been. right but I I'm, I'm becoming more cynical on on the issue of immigration mm-hmm. than I am on on many other issues because I just don't see a a a will or a path there from 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 either side and you know some you know there's, there's I think one side demo, obviously one side demagogues more than the other but I just don't know 
where is the where is the starting ground where you know someone like Abbott and someone like Biden <coughs> are really serious about finding a solution to this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the five demands, um, well, first of all, you know, in the letter, and I, I printed it out as well, and I know it was in the story, but when you look at the five demands that um, Governor Abbott is making, I mean, I don't agree with all of them, but, you know, when he starts off saying um, in his letter, you know, $20 billion too little and two years too late, mm. it's it's hard to argue yeah. against that. Yeah. Um, so I do agree. You know, there's both sides have definitely um, – you know, there's criticism on both sides of this, but I feel like politically immigration and the border policy, it's too lucrative for mm -hmm. politicians mm -hmm. on both sides. They want the fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, this is something that they, you know, that's popular in their in their elections and their political policies. And they want to be able to um, constantly complain about the other side and not mm -hmm. get to any kind of real solution. Which has bedeviled presidents for mm -hmm. decades. Right. Decades. Yeah. Decades. Yeah. It's like I mean, they're look, blaming yeah. each other. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. So, I mean, look look back at George W. Bush's time in office. He really struggled with immigration. He started out wanting to, to take kind of a, a, a structured path to citizenship. He was much more uh, progressive. In a way, early, mm -hmm. early yes, you know, in his in his first term, and even talking about it as Texas governor going into the presidential election in two thousand. But I mean, his his the right wing of the Republican Party wasn't having it, mm -hmm. and he eventually had to come around to that, and we were left with, you know, a pretty poor immigration policy, and then under under. Uh, President Barack Obama. Right. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. And we have like a record number of deportations and he's like yeah. threading the needle because he's got his left left wing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, he's, right. that he's having to try Absolutely. to satisfy. So uh, it's, it's uh, the politics of it has made it almost unmanageable for presidents. Yeah. Like presidents, they, they're over the administration, yeah. not, mm -hmm. not the legislation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and one of the things that, that, that one, uh, struck me in recent years is that, you know, the, the sort of a, uh, the narrative when I was when I was younger and I grew up on the border, you know, that we all when we talked about immigration challenges, border challenges. It was the idea of people from Mexico trying to sneak across the border and, you know, needing trying to find a better life, trying to get work, whatever the situation was and sneaking across. And I felt when Donald Trump in 2015 made his campaign kickoff speech and talked mm -hmm. about the border wall and talked about, you know, they send the Mexico doesn't send their best. They send, you know, uh, rapists and criminals. So he was really dealing with an old narrative, yeah. not to say that there aren't people from Mexico coming and that and there's some trying to sneak across the border and not be detected. But by the, by that point, we'd already seen in, in, during the Obama years that the the real major problem was that we were seeing asylum seekers mm -hmm. right. who were dealing with all kinds of you know either economic devastation or political persecution, uh, you know from whether it's from the Northern Triangle countries or other places, and they were coming not, so they weren't necessarily coming from Mexico, and they were making long treks. They were not trying to sneak across. Yeah. They were they were coming in plain sight and saying, right. "I want I want to seek asylum." The border wall to me never really that. What does that do? How does that deal with people who show up and right. so, and they're like, yeah. "I'm here. Right. I'm not trying to hide from anybody. I, I I need help." So that was that was one problem. And so in in the Obama years, the Trump years, the Biden years, we're seeing just a a, a really a problem that we never saw on this scale before. That which was people in 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 Latin America, uh, in Central and South America, just 
facing all kinds of problems in their country and 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 seeking asylum in numbers that we've never seen before. And I think the fundamental thing has been that the Biden administration looking at the options. Are we going to do the remain in Mexico thing where their people are going to have to camp out and face all kinds of dangers in Mexico for two years or something while they're trying to get their asylum claim process? That was the Trump approach late late in his administration. Does Biden do that? Well, I mean, that doesn't seem very humane. Uh, do we just try to build more detention facilities? And, and this is that's, you know, we've we've seen how that goes. And so the approach has generally been to process people and let them stay in the country while they wait for that. And that has, I think, been at the core of the conflict that Republicans see this, you know, they, they call it a, oh, a catch and release. They say it's open borders and they bring all these things into it, like fentanyl. Fentanyl is pouring through our borders. Well, I don't think uh, it, it's a massive problem, but I don't think that the pro, that the approach of processing people at the border and then letting them go off and stay with family members or sponsors I don't think that's contributing to the fentanyl no. problem. No. I think that's a separate no. issue. Right. Uh, I, you can debate whether that approach to asylum seekers is, is good or not. And I think the Biden administration is rethinking it. But it's not it's separate from fentanyl. But all these things get lumped in there. Mm -hmm. And it's Joe Biden. that's he's, he's causing the fentanyl problem and all that. So it uh, that's I think I think that's my long winded way of saying what that I, I agree with your point that you just look and think it's just so much rhetoric that just gets spewed out that it, it doesn't really seem to. And both sides talking and, and, and this is a, this is a, and they're correct <laughs> when they talk about, you know, dealing with, you know, with, with this at the source of the problem, you know, and the countries themselves, but yeah. then, but, but realistically, how, how, how do you go about doing that? Cause this is going to get worse mm -hmm. and it's, and it, and it, 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 it won't just be, you know, immigrants coming from 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 Central America. I mean, the the the, the migration problem across the world is just mm -hmm. going to escalate. Yeah. It's going to be the it's going to be one of the defining problems of the uh, the mid twenty first century. And it's not just us that has to deal with it. There's other nations, and none of us are prepared to deal with it. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Well. On that note, we're going to wrap things up for this week. We hope you all have been doing well, and 2023 has been treating you well so far. And uh, like I said, we're going to have a lot to cover in the, in the coming weeks on city council, our municipal elections, and the state legislature. So uh, hope take care, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Thank you.